Hey guys, welcome to Spencer Talks About Stuff. There are no amendments today. For Spencer's favorites, I want to give a shout out to everyone's parents. If you have not talked to them recently or seen them recently, call them and tell them that you love them. We have a finite time on this earth and we do not want to leave here with any regrets. Call your parents and tell them that you love them. Please subscribe to Spencer Talks About Stuff and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And you can also write a review and let everyone know what you think about the podcast. Without further ado, here is episode 23 of Spencer Talks About Stuff. All right, welcome to episode 23 of Spencer Talks About Stuff. Today on the podcast, I have David Chorp Corpening. <laughs> did I say Sweet. it right? You did say it right. <laughs> yeah, you got it correct. Both right. of them, because uh, the Chorp is with the Chorp, and uh, Corpening is not. Yeah. 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 I started calling you Chorp because I didn't know how to pronounce your last name. <laughs> it's okay. Most people don't. <laughs> yeah. Did you have issues with that when you joined the military? Oh, yeah. All yeah. the time. Yeah. I actually uh, was working with a guy, and he called me Chorpening. For about a year and a half before I corrected him. I don't think you corrected me ever. <laughs> yeah, probably not. I think it was that weightlifting meet where... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it definitely yeah. was. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I I don't know if you just want to hop right into it, but you just got back from a deployment. I sure did. So do you want to talk about your role in the military and what you do? Yeah. So uh, I am a uh, survival, evasion, resistance, and escape specialist for the uh, U.S. Air Force. Pull the mic just a little bit, a little further, bit further away. Yeah, perfect. Right there. Getting all the off the S's. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I was uh, deployed to Kuwait, which is not a real deployment, most people tell you. And <laughs> I can uh, verify that. That yeah. is accurate. Um, so basically what we do, we do several different jobs, uh, home stations. So what I do here is I instruct survival and evasion techniques. Uh, I do refresher training mostly. Uh, I taught at our schoolhouse for about five years uh, and then deployed the, probably the best way that I could, uh, and the best analogy I could make is it's like a, a beefed up 911 dispatch. Okay. So we do personnel recovery. So PR, uh, which is not public relations. <laughs> a lot of people think that, um, Actually, one of my good buddies there I told him, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm running PR here. And a couple of days later, she was like, so you're a public affairs dude. Like, <laughs> no, not that kind of PR. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so basically we worked in the uh, operations center where basically from the ground stations, they push information up and then we do command and control. Yeah. So if we had downed aircraft, hostage events, anything where a person is gone and we don't know where they are, yeah. we would then coordinate their recovery. Okay. Yep. And it was wildly, wildly slow. Yeah. Which is good. I mean, nobody died. Yeah. At least not like the way that I cared about. I'm sure people <laughs> died, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you were, what's interesting is you, when did you get deployed? What month? Uh, left in February, left on Valentine's day actually. Which oh wow. Is, thanks military. Dang. <laughs> um, but then like COVID kind of hit hard right after that, like yep. right after you got deployed. Right after. Yeah. Yeah. So that was great. <laughs> and uh, they I know you said, because we got some beers the other night, you said you were looking forward to exercising while you were there, and then they shut your gym down. Exactly. Yeah. So my in my head, it was like, okay, what I thought I was going to be doing was like forward going forwards to um, like Iraq and Syria type areas. Yeah. And we do some training. We verify that systems are in place. We make sure people know what they're doing, A, if they get isolated, and B, if... Uh, they need to be used as a rescue force. So like okay. helicopters, dudes and like that for the army. Um, so my like dream deployment was I'm going to be bouncing around Iraq and Syria, yeah. just crushing it. And uh, my like worst case in my head was I get stuck chained to a desk, 
but I can work out twice a day and eat lots of, you know, poorly cooked chicken breast and get <laughs> jacked. And, uh, I got chained to a desk and that was about it. Yeah. You did not have the other stuff to look forward to. Exactly. But I know you started finding some ways around it and you found like a tire and a track and all that yep. stuff. Yep. So they had a track, like an outdoor track with a turf field, um, beat up turf field. Yeah. Like real bad. <laughs> um, there were some tires on it. There were some bricks, uh, some like pipes, like from uh, street signs. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so we used that stuff. We stole some tires from some various other places. <laughs> um, I mean, repurposed, I guess. Yeah. They stayed on the base, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, I had some friends and we did a basically back to basics CrossFit, right? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, nice. so we're making it work. You so, mentioned beers. Oh, you yeah, yeah. You want to crack the beers? For I'll the crack them. If you want to okay. explain what you got. All right, so I have, uh, there's actually several in there. The top two should be the same if we want to start there. They're they're Potosi, I believe that's pronounced correctly. I've never even heard of this. I hadn't either, so my parents actually just sent me that as like a late birthday gift. And I thought, how better to enjoy them than bring them on Spencer Talks About Stuff. Right on. Do you know where they're from? Wisconsin. Oh. One of them, I don't know if it's these, but one of them said something about, it's like beer from Beer's Hometown. I don't know how much is getting on there. Oh, yeah. Brewed in Beer's hometown. I think that's a lie. Uh, <laughs> I think beer was invented uh, in the old world. Yeah. Weren't the Romans brewing beer? Yeah. Cheers. Hell yeah. Ooh. This I mean, is the uh, the Cave Ale Amber Ale. Delicious. I haven't had a dark beer like this in a while. Yeah, that is not bad. Very drinkable. For sure. I think there's an IPA and like a, another amber or something in there. Okay. Right on. I love, I just love seeing like what people bring on the podcast too. It's kind of turned into a cool thing Mm -hmm. and I might have to like slow down on my podcast because (laughs) too much beer. (laughs) Well, there was one, there was one week, I think I did four or five podcasts all in the same week and it was like, all right, maybe I should tell someone to like bring some water or like sparkling water or something. (laughs) I saw one of them was Gatorade. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, It was during that week. The one that was Gatorade was on the weekend of Ross and Abby's bachelor party, bachelor and bachelorette party. Oh man. So, so the original plan was like, we'd party at Ross's house that night or or Friday Mm -hmm. night and then come back here and do a podcast, like go work out and then do like a mid bachelor party podcast. Yeah. And then like, keep going. But I was too hungover on Saturday. (laughs) And then Debbie and I were going to do a podcast on Sunday and we ended up still doing it, Mm -hmm. but she was too hungover Sunday but we, she's like, nice. no, we said we're going to do it. We'll, we'll push through. And we did Gatorade and um, yeah. like water and it was good. And we had to take one break right. <laughs> to regroup and <laughs> handle ourselves. But yeah, it was good. Classic. It was fun. Yeah. So the other thing I brought, um, you said something about oh making the room nice. This oh, is no. huge, but it's something small to have it in this pocket. So here's the what? Operation Inherent Resolve uh, patch. No way. This is awesome. Thanks, man. For sure. Cool. Do they give you like multiple of these? Yeah, I got or? a bunch of them. Because I, I worked in that seat uh, my second deployment. I, uh, I was actually doing it for about six dude, weeks. This is awesome. Dude. Yeah, there you go, man. Thank you. For sure. Oh, I hope people start bringing shit like this. Yeah. I want to have like a... It would be cool to have a wall. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, maybe get a little desk for other things people bring. Yeah, yeah. Or like have a dedicated shelf or something. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, Debbie's parents actually brought. I didn't. I did not have them on the podcast, but Debbie's dad brought some. Um, I think they're prints of the original 
Marvel Star Wars series. Oh, nice. The comic books. Yeah. Is that those ones sitting right yeah, on the shelf there? Yeah, those ones sitting right there. And I haven't taken them out of the sleeves because I don't, I don't know much about them. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a Star Wars fanatic, but... Right. Um, they could be worth 15 grand a pop. I... And you just... You don't want to... <laughs> yeah, I have set up. I have no idea. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I need to do a little research on them first. And then, uh, I don't know... You said you haven't listened. You've listened to a couple of the podcasts. Yeah. Um, but I, I keep plugging Antique World Mall. Okay. Have you been there? I have not. Do you like weird shit? Yeah. <laughs> so Of course. Okay. And they actually have a ton of like, they have a ton of medals and like ribbons and stuff from like World War One, Korea, Vietnam. Oh, sweet. Um, but it's all, it's like an antique shop, but it's like parceled out. So like an individual can rent like one spot to display all their stuff. Nice. And so you walk through and there's like hundreds of those mm-hmm. and it's, it feels like you're like, I don't know, in like a weird dream. Yeah. Cause you like walk through and it's like, you're walking through different people's living rooms and stuff, but right they on. have, they have right some on. cool, cool shit. And so that's where we've gotten a lot of the stuff that's in here so far. So hell yeah. Yeah. And I got the Boise state parking meter sign. I don't know if you saw, saw that. Yep. Yeah. Which is like, I wanted to get it because I got way too many parking tickets when I was in college. Yeah. So you <laughs> finance the sign. You might as well. Yeah. Have yeah. It. yeah. <laughs> exactly. But it's, it's like funny walking through cause you can tell what people are into and like, mm-hmm. you know, like one spot, it must've been a BSU faculty person. Cause there were like a ton of BSU signs. Yeah. From around so like the underlying campus. themes to each one of the little sections. Yeah. But I, I really, really want to get, um, Something from World War One, I, I think. Yeah. Like a medal or like a pin or something. For sure. So, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, because you've done all the traveling in, in uh, France, Germany. Yeah, area, we right? did. Yeah, we went to, um, oh gosh, Verdun. Mm-hmm. And then we've also been like through the Balkans too. And so, I don't know. I'm just, nice. I'm yep. obsessed with World War One. I. I don't know why. Yeah. It's very intriguing to me. All the uh, entangling plot lines that got us into it, right? Yeah, 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 like all the weird alliances and stuff, and then um, I think it's also really hard to find out who is like the bad guys if you want to like simplify it that far. Yeah, you know? it's it's, it's re- hard to explain, right? It's really easy to be like, oh, Nazis, bad. We all know why. Yeah, cool. We're the good guys. Yeah. Done. <laughs> they have skulls on their hats. Yeah, they <laughs> declared like- <laughs> themselves evil from the <laughs> yeah. start. Um, but yeah, Austria, Hungary, um, aligned with Germany. I mean, they and. They backed Germany, and then, I don't know, there were a couple other weird countries like Romania and Italy kind of tried to stay neutral, and then they jumped in to fight, right, too. and swapped and, sides. Yeah, yeah. And then there's um, very interesting things. Like, there's obviously the Eastern Front and the Western Front, but then there was a Southern Front, too, and then there was a front, like, against the Ottomans. Right, all that stuff going on in Turkey, Iraq. Yeah, yeah. like the Ottoman Empire. Mm-hmm. And that's weird, too, is the Ottoman Empire was still around, like, a hundred years ago. Right. That's so bizarre to me. Yeah. But cause that, that you think like five, six, 700 years ago yeah. when you think the Ottomans, yeah. right. Just that name. It yeah. brings up so much, uh, old history. Yeah. Have you seen Lawrence of Arabia? I have a long time ago. I have never seen it and I know I should Oof. watch it. <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of those movies where you have to like sit down and decide like, I am going to watch this film Yeah, and I'm going to watch it. I wouldn't watch it all the way through. I'd watch, I think there's an actually an intermission in it. Oh, seriously? I'm sure back in the day, like I watched it on DVD, I think. Um, I'm sure back in the day it was like the two VHSs in the box. Oh yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. and you got to swap them. Yeah. But, uh, I would definitely like, okay, I'm going to go from here 
to like an hour or two hours in. Yeah. Find a good stopping point, stop. Yeah. And then uh, do something uplifting with your life. <laughs> uh, I feel like that when I like watch The Godfather. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I have to decide. I'm setting aside three hours for this movie. Right. I'm going to drink some wine and like eat spaghetti yeah. too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what you'd drink for uh, Lawrence of Arabia. I don't know. I mean, the Arabs don't have a, a great view of alcohol. Yeah. At least they say they don't. So I've actually done a little... I mean, you might know a lot more about this than me, especially like... I mean, I know you weren't allowed to venture out when you are in Kuwait. Yeah. Um, because of COVID and stuff. But like when you're in the UAE, I've looked at UAE, I've looked at Oman, mm-hmm. I've looked at you know Jordan, Israel, because I want to go to the Middle East. Like I'd yeah. love to go there and visit. You can drink alcohol, but you just like can't be drunk in public. Like there's they have weird rules. Yeah. So I've done two deployments to Kuwait. No, Qatar. Wow. Uh, one to Kuwait. Yeah. Two to Qatar. Qatar has bars so does uae dubai that whole area okay uh, bahrain as well i don't know if this is accurate but i heard it and i'm gonna repeat it like it is um <laughs> not your words yeah sure um <laughs> but bahrain it was basically built by uh the arab states okay and uh since they built it they say that allah can't see it oh so it's God. kind of their like party place where they all get drunk and you know hire hookers and all that stuff yeah where is bahrain uh, if you take like the Qatari Peninsula due north off the coast of Saudi Arabia, probably about 50, 60 miles. Okay. Yeah. One of those tiny states. Yeah. It's like an island probably the size of Boise. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I've heard of it. I guess I just yeah had no idea where it was. So did you did you go out to the bars? Uh, no, we aren't allowed to drink out when okay. we're out there. Yeah. So gotcha. Qatar has, on the Air Force Base, you can have three beers a day. They like scan your ID. Oh, wow. And every 18 hours it resets. So if you time it right, you can, you know, you could like go drink <laughs> you a drink beer. Six? <laughs> yeah, well, you could drink a beer like every six hours uh, continuously. Because yeah. like if I get one beer, and then in eighteen hours it like resets. What what kind of options do they have for you? Uh, it's like some weird European stuff. Uh, let me see if I can remember the names. Um, there's one called Bishop's Finger, and it came in this big bottle. Uh-huh. It, did, it was like a a red ale from the UK. Yeah. Um, it didn't taste great, but it was one of the highest alcohol contents oh, in nice. the biggest bottle. Yeah. Um, was it a Tourberg is another one. I think that was a German beer. Okay. Uh, they had like Jack Daniels. You could get like, you know, a beer or it was like a drink. So yeah. glass of wine shot of something. So are um, you like, I'm so ignorant of the military Yeah. in this regard, like for deployments, mm-hmm. but are you like kind of on certain hours and then off certain hours? Like you give free time? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, a lot of it's based on what you do. So like uh, the guys garden gates, you know, they usually work like 12 on 12 off. Okay. And most people it's like six days a week with a day off. Gotcha. Um, I was working like eights cause I had three guys and we had to do a 24 uh, seven watch. Okay. Um, my second deployment, I was up in Iraq working with uh, some air advisor guys. So basically like they were on uh, an airfield with the Iraqis. It was like a, um, the U.S. maintained part of it. It was like a joint base. And then okay. down the runway, there was an Iraqi post, and they had C-130s and some other stuff. Um, and basically, we were working Iraqi hours. So we'd come in at about 8, and we'd uh, advise till about 1, come back, hit the chow hall right before it closed, go back uh, to the office, debrief. We're usually off work around 2.30. Oh, wow. Yeah. Dang. With uh, a day off. So the Iraqis, Friday's their holy day, um, and then they take Saturdays off. It's like okay. that's their weekend. So we worked Sunday through Friday, but Friday was like internal training day. 
Gotcha. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. I didn't know that they had like a holy day. I knew that. I think you have to pray. Do you have to pray three times a day or five uh, times? Five a times day? a day. I think five it is. Day, yeah. Yeah. Which they do that every day, mm-hmm. but then they also have a holy day too. Yeah, I guess. I don't think it's all as beefed up as like Sunday is, where you know you go to people church go to church and, so. and you know day of rest and whatnot, or like uh, Jews do with Saturday, where you don't. Was it some you don't of them? Do, you, don't you don't do, do anything, anything, right? Yeah. 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 Um, what is it called? Sabbath, but um, um, oh god, what is thinking he? of the Big Lebowski? Yes, yes. oh yeah, totally. Yep. <laughs> is it Shabbos? Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever Saturday Shabbos. Even or... Jewish, Walter. <laughs> um, so, so the bars. Did you say you went to UAE, or did you you just went to Qatar? No, just Qatar. Okay, so Qatar, Kuwait, Iraq. Mm, was in Afghanistan for like two weeks on my first deployment. Don't really count that. Yeah. But what's like, what's the rule if you get drunk? You just like, do you have to like quickly get a taxi and try to get home or like? Uh, no, no, you don't want to do that. Um, so for, are you talking for military members or just like? I'm just talking the normal populace. Uh, I don't actually know. So I know Qatar is pretty Western. I was like Doha's, they've got CrossFit gyms and Lululemon stores and all the Western stuff, right? I've actually looked up jobs in Oman yeah, and they're like super Westernized too. I oh, have yeah. no idea. Yeah. Oman, UAE, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Kuwait's getting there. Yeah. Um, they still have like, it's a dry country, so you can't get alcohol. Um, yeah. And if I remember right, we had a contractor I worked with who lived off post and they had, I don't know what it's actually called, but they just called it the infidel card. So they could buy like bacon oh my and God. whiskey and it was kind of rationed. Yeah. So they could get X amount per month. Yeah. But I don't know exactly because there was, there were like restaurants and uh, hotels that had bars in them. Yeah. So I don't know if it's, you know, I'm sure their drunk driving laws are as lax as all of their driving laws or it's just kind of, <laughs> you know, the inshallah lifestyle. Yeah. That's like in Mexico too. Yeah. Oh, oh my yeah. God, dude. I was in Tijuana in high school for... I wish I wish that would turn into a cool story. Like, yeah. oh man, when in high school we went to Tijuana, but we went to Tijuana for like a mission trip. Oh yeah, and so we had to like we stayed at a school and we like helped pour concrete and like build stuff and like entertain mm-hmm. the kids and all this stuff. Um, but driving there, there was like, I, it might be better now, but there were like no lines on some of the roads. Oh, and yeah. It was just kind of like go as fast as you want, and merge wherever, and turn whenever, and it was just. Yep very bizarre like everything's so standardized in america in that regard yeah yeah which is nice definitely yeah like uh the base in kuwait i was at was not on the airfield so you had to drive yeah um and most of the time we took a bus but a couple times i went back and forth just driving with somebody yeah and yeah just fortunately the highway is one way and it has to be otherwise i know people would be coming across (laughs) um no lines on the road it's like oh i'm in the far left lane there's an exit in half a mile I'm yeah. just coming over yeah i've i've seen some crazy stuff about roads in other countries and i think that there's a road i want to say it's in china or india but there's a 50 lane yeah, highway in china that's in china yeah and, and it merges down to like two lanes yeah, right? yeah yeah oh my god that just looks so stressful to me. oh yeah i would mm, couldn't do it yeah but going to different countries gives me appreciation gives me an appreciation for like in America, how standardized the highway system is. Yeah. Like the interstates, because everything looks the same. Like if you go to Key West, if you drive out to Key West on Highway 1, 
Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it looks exactly the same as like I-84 or like... I-15 up in Seattle. Yeah, yeah as, far, it, as far away as you can get. All of them look exactly the same, which right. is awesome. That gives me a huge appreciation for... Um, I don't know. Was it Eisenhower that did the yeah. highway system? Yeah. 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 It's crazy. Mm-hmm. But also like something that surprised me being in Eastern Europe and like made me think mm, maybe paying taxes isn't that bad. Their roads were fucking incredible. Yeah. In like Croatia. Mm-hmm. I had no like expectation. I thought it was going to be shitty everywhere, but they, right. I don't know. Their highway system was amazing, but. Yeah, I wonder how much that has to do with like their society. If it's because for like Japan, you know, if there's a pothole, it gets fixed in like four hours. Oh yeah, yeah. And then I mean, Croatia doesn't have the harshest climate, right? Because they are kind of on the Mediterranean. Yeah, it's like dry. I would say it's comparable to Boise, almost, yeah. or like maybe like Arizona. Right. I mean, it's kind of like high desert. Because if you got that like freeze thaw cycle, you know, you're getting potholes and and whatnot. Yeah. Um, that makes sense yeah. if it's not, yeah, raining all the time or snowing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'll take America. <laughs> Have you ever, like, thought about venturing to, like, Turkey or, like, Georgia or any places like that? Mm, I'd like to go to Croatia. I've got, uh, let's see, great-grandparents came over oh, on the boat. From Croatia? Yeah. No way. Yep. Cool. So, hence the Croatian tattoos. I had no idea that you had Croatian tattoos. Yeah. So, these three on my forearm, this one on... My triceps. Oh, cool. For everyone listening at home, this is the most interesting conversation. <laughs> and then the one on my back. I always assumed, for some reason, I thought that those were Native American. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now, I don't know why. So, from what I was told, um, and I found some pretty decent information about this, but uh, back pretty much from like the Stone Age until like the 1920s, the Croatians and like the Bosnians and the Serbs and all the Christians in that region yeah. would uh, tattoo their children because oh. the Turks would come up and they'd raid them and they'd steal their kids for oh. slaves. So the women would be like sex slaves and the uh, the men just, you know, whatever other kind of slaves. Yeah. So the idea was we tattoo them. They'll grow up knowing I'm not of this culture. Yeah. And then they'll have incentive to escape and come back to their families. Dang. That is insane. Yeah. So a lot of hand and face tattoos. There's, yeah. um There's some old pictures of like Croatian women with these, like these kind of symbols, but all down their hands. Okay. And I guess a lot of the men would have like a a cross right on the bridge of their nose. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. How long ago was that? The, them tattooing it? Yeah. I think it stopped in like the twenties. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. At least for the, uh, the purpose. Yeah. The, this person might get kidnapped. Yeah. 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 But it probably carried on like tradition wise. Yeah. 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 And I've heard they did like, they had this weird mixture. It was like charcoal and water and like breast milk is what they used Whoa. to make the ink. Cause they were tattooing, you know, kids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then some of the tattooing style, it was, it was like a needle and thread tattoo. So they'd roll the, th- like the cotton thread in the ink uh-huh. and then they'd thread it onto a needle and then they'd it'd like sew into the skin. What? So they'd stick the, yeah, the needle down and then they'd pull it along. And as they pulled the thread, it would, uh, impregnate into the uh the skin dang i've seen some videos of it and it looks awful would you ever do something like that absolutely not no you wouldn't no you know what's cool though is like don't the yakuza still do like traditional japanese tattooing yeah i think so like i think that's kind of cool how like certain cultures and then i think that there's like some pacific islander cultures that do that you know they like do the like shark teeth yeah they do like the tapping Mm -hmm. i've seen that i'd do that probably um I'm not a huge fan of needles. Yeah. At least it's like getting stabbed with them. Like 
tattoo yeah. guns way different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, no, I don't really. Just watching it. You can drop a, a link in the show notes right yeah. here. <laughs> um, yeah, if you YouTube, I think because so there's single needle is like the tapping. Yeah, I, I think I if swear you like, I've seen one that has like like a few needles spread across and it's almost it looks like a wooden spoon that you like cook with you know yeah and then they like tap it with like a small hammer or something i don't know yeah 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 i've seen that as well um when i was researching the croatian ones yeah that's how i saw people doing it so do they mean anything or are they not that i could find okay. it was just like it's so like certain families would use different symbols they're oh, all like cool. kind of drawn from crosses and christian symbols that's awesome dude i had yeah. no idea you're from croatia yeah. well half of my ancestry yeah yeah i mean have you done like ancestry.com or anything no not really um my uncle has i think he's got some of like old information um i know one side of the family came from zagreb and the other side which is the capital and the other side came from it's the big walled city like the really touristy like dubrovnik yes that one yeah yeah it's where they filmed uh Star Wars and, and Game of Thrones. Game of right? Thrones. Yeah. 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 When you go to, I've been to Dubrovnik twice. And every, mm-hmm. when you go there, it's like, come on the Game of Thrones tour. Right, we'll show right. you all the locations. They're milking it for all it's worth. <laughs> oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's It has turned into a small tourist trap. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I uh, I want to do ancestry.com. One of my aunts, my dad's sister, mm-hmm. did a ton of stuff for the Gurky family. Yeah. And I know she sent me a bunch of stuff before my wife and I went to the Czech Republic because that's where we're from, Czechoslovakia. Mm-hmm. And we went to the the town that my great-grandmother came, came from, um, which was cool to go there and see. But I'd like to like actually see the documents and know what the names right. were and stuff. And, um, and they came over and moved to Nebraska to work on the railroad. Oh really? Yeah. They had a hard life then. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, I started doing a little bit of research about it recently and mm-hmm. I don't know why Nebraska like did all this advertising in Czechoslovakia, right. but you can find Czech posters like posters in the czech language yeah that they would post around town in czechoslovakia and it was like come to nebraska and it has different sections where it's like this is what your land could look like year one this is what uh, yeah. it could look like year two and they i i don't know if they had to purchase it or they were just trying to like give away land in nebraska but right. i think it was for those workers coming mm-hmm. they're like we'll give you you know 40 acres or whatever if you come work yeah well i know the uh like states did a lot of like giveaways for immigrants to come and do you know manual labor type yeah. stuff so it may have been i don't know why the hell they don't do that now like, were we talking about that or was i listening to that somewhere else i don't know we yeah. might have been talking about it yeah i think it was i think it was you yeah yeah there's certain i just think that there's some like like the land that is state owned mm-hmm. why wouldn't you sell it to people and make it like profitable right or like the 98 percent of nevada that is uh owned by the federal government <laughs> yeah, yeah right Oh my God. Okay. So that's interesting looking at Nevada. And I know I, you say it differently than I say it. Yeah. Nevada. I don't know how it's right. I feel bad saying Nevada, but I'm like, is that know. incorrect? No, I think Nevada is right. Yeah. I just feel stupid saying it. Ah. It's like, it's like avocado. Or I say like, avocado. <laughs> yeah. Or like Boise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, it's some States maps are, it's just mind blowing to me that the, feds can own land in a state i don't know that's such a supposed to i mean not to get down to my weirdo political views but (laughs) isn't it post office courts and military bases oh yeah that totally makes sense yeah that makes a ton of sense 
And yeah, if yeah, federal land where like you let the animals roam free. Right. I mean, that was a lot of That's like Teddy f- Roosevelt, right? Like fenced off. Oh yeah. yeah, like yeah federal yeah. preserves and national parks. Yeah. 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 That totally makes sense. But what I was going to say is um, we have a mutual friend who works out at the gym mm-hmm. and she works for the BLM, um, Tara. And she showed, oh, yeah. she showed me a map of Idaho and how confusing it is for like jurisdiction of firefighters. Mm-hmm. Like if there's a fire, it's like sometimes the fires right. cross state private federal like it'll spread over everything mm-hmm. and then it's like who the hell is supposed to put out the fire and right it's, it's always just like a joint effort yeah but they have to like figure out okay wh- what part of this is yeah, who's in charge here who's yeah. in charge there yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 it's crazy you'd think it's like okay it's on fire and you guys are fighting it over there like if you can make it over here just go for it yeah, yeah, yeah. you know yeah i think they do i think they have joint obviously operations where, yeah um Cause my dad was a firefighter in Southern California and mm-hmm. he said sometimes, you know, like on the outskirt outskirts of the city, the County guys and the state or the um, city guys would get together and fight the same fire. Right. So, and then I guess you just debrief and like, I don't think you get like commission for like putting out a fire. Right. <laughs> I'm so. sure there is, I've seen this in the military enough, you know, it's like whoever's in charge of it gets to put it on their performance report. And oh yeah. Be like, oh, look at me. I put this fire out. I led the, the fire, um, prevention or, uh, response. Yeah. And that's what like joint military ops do. Oh yeah. 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 So they can brag about it. Like, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Crazy. And I, I don't think we talked about this. You're in the air force. That is correct. Yeah. Yeah. When, when did you first join? I joined after high school in 2012. Okay. So I'll hit eight years here coming up. Damn. Yep. Crazy. Yeah, I don't even know where it went by. <laughs> but you yep. like what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, for the most part. You I know yeah. you like hiking and stuff. So the survival right. aspect of it. Yeah. You dig. So if I could go back, so I started out teaching we all do at our uh the survival schoolhouse up in, in Washington. That was by far the best job I ever had. Yeah. So basically Is this like where the urban stuff came into play? Uh, what do you mean? Well, I have a buddy who was in the army. He did like army civil affairs. And he said in his seer training, they like dropped him off in like the hood mm-hmm. in Seattle. And he had to, there was some mission. It was part of the training, but he had to like get back somewhere. I mean, there's a lot of those. Um, yeah, we've done some stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, the hood, <laughs> not so much anymore. Oh yeah. Um, there was a couple of dudes that got shot a few years ago by oh, a cop. What? Yeah. Um, they were like in the bed of a pickup and uh, got pulled over real life. And they thought it was part of the scenario. Holy so they shit. Popped up and with a rifle and said, kill. And the cop shot the guys. No. Yeah. So after that, that was 10, 15 years ago now, I think. Yeah. I could be getting some facts wrong on that. So allegedly, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not exactly sure all the details, but yeah, after that, they kind of eased back on some of that stuff or just made sure, you know, a lot more safety measures were in place. Yeah. Or like, I mean, do you let the local authorities know that you're doing shit like that? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of that goes into that. Yeah. Um, most of what we do is, um, out in the woods though. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you're not running into, I mean, you run into people every once in a while, but for the most part, it's just on like federal land that we've got an agreement to use. And so we'd take, classes were from like 60 to 80 dudes and you'd break them down into like 
four to 10 man groups. Okay. And then each instructor would get their crew, their element. And it was basically like, we'd go to the woods on a Saturday. So we'd teach on base the whole week, go up to the woods Saturday. And it was like, take your guys, go teach. And you'd hike around for four days teaching. Wow. And then they'd do some solo stuff. And then Thursday, pick them up, head back to base. So it was probably the most autonomous, especially for as low ranking dudes as we had, like the most autonomy you'll ever get in the military. Wow. So that was awesome. So you got to come up kind of with your own course material and stuff. Uh, there's like minimum. It's like you have to teach all these things, but like where and when you teach, it's totally on you. Okay. You know, so if a lot of it was like environmental driven, so, you know, for survival, like prioritizing is huge. You know, if you're building a fire when it's 80 degrees and sunny, like you're probably wrong. <laughs> so usually it's just like, all right, we're going to talk about prioritizing and then tell my students be like all right what do you guys think we should do now and if it was like we should go find food because of course they're going to be hungry right yeah it's like you're wrong no we're not going to do that <laughs> it's like oh storm's rolling in maybe we should put up some shelter or get our gear um you know out of the out of the elements right work on a fire work on water if you're at a great spot for cutting down trees and building fire stop your dudes be like hey we're doing fire here uh-huh. so uh yeah it was all a lot of it was uh events driven just as you needed it, like as you needed to do it, yeah, go for it, uh, which was awesome. I mean, it's awesome. And it was all in, in Washington. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Learning to teach that was one of the harder things I've ever done because it's not like between 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock, you're going to teach fire. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you decide when it's right to teach X, Y, and Z and make sure you teach everything because when you get evaled, they're going to be like looking at the the instructor guides and like, okay, he taught that he taught that. You so, know what I mean? Yeah. So did you, so the training to be an instructor, how, how was that process? It was pretty tough. Yeah. Um, so you go through the regular air force basic training and then you do a selection course. I think it's called something different now down there in Texas yeah. for about a month. And if you graduate that, then about 50% of the people did. So they were just looking for, is this person not an idiot? Can they do kind of the basics of survival? Okay. Can they get, you know, kicked in the junk a bunch over and over again and still be like coherent, right? Would you, would they put you out to do stuff and like mess with you? Uh, some, most of it was just like sleep deprivation, oh. um, food deprivation, a certain amount of dehydration. Okay. Uh, yeah. But it was, I mean, some of the stuff was like messing with us. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, if you graduated that, you went up to Spokane and did, uh, six month, uh, so yeah, six month long process. And basically it's every aspect of survival you could think of in every environment we could, we could feasibly get. So yeah. we did uh, temperate survival. You're good. Uh, yeah. Temperate up in North Washington, Northeast Washington. Uh, and that was kind of split into like, a like a static phase where okay. we did a lot of things like, you know, we had a goat and we all the like processing food, long-term shelters, long-term oh. water, things of that nature. Okay. And then we did, that was about two weeks and we did about two weeks of just hiking around in the woods. Yeah. Navigating and whatnot. And like, you got a compass and a map. Here's how we do this. Yeah. You've got a compass, but no map. You've got a map, but no compass. Yeah. You've got the stars and then all those things, you know, at night. Um, so that was another two weeks. And then we did, desert out in like yakima area okay which is sand duny scorpiony actual uh-huh. desert we did coastal out in the coast of 
it's like near a store. I think it was near Tillamook. That's where okay. it was. Actually, uh, where they shot the Goonies. Those rocks. Oh. Yeah. I floated in the life raft. For in like, like Oregon? Yeah. 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 Floated in the life raft like two miles off those rocks. Whoa. For about 16 hours. It was great. What? Yeah. Do they... Was it like anchored or anything or like was somebody watching you? Uh, the Coast Guard, like we worked together, so they'd bring us out. And then uh, we had a couple of 20-man life rafts that we were all in. And then the, it wasn't choppy enough, so the Coast Guard did circles around us in the oh boat to make it wavy. So you, it was just 16 hours in the, in the lifeboat? Yeah, it was about that. We went out early Fuck. in the morning, came back. Yeah. Damn. That is insane. Dude, I, I'm just thinking about, you're talking about this stuff, and I, I told you about Debbie and I getting lost. Yeah. You didn't, you got to tell me the full story. I don't know if you... Oh, I didn't tell you the whole thing? I don't think so. You, you gave me the Cliff Notes version. Well, I, okay. I, I don't want to... Has I, the greater uh, Spencer talked about stuff audience we, heard we, about this? We've talked about it once, or maybe okay. I've talked about it a couple times, but I didn't want to cut you off, but yeah. you were just saying some stuff, and I'm like, God, Chort probably thinks we're pussies. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, man, I've been... Uh, you know, this is a great Daniel Boone quote where he, somebody asked him if he was ever lost, and he's like, nah, but I've been confused for a couple of days on time <laughs> at a time. Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of the mindset I like to take, but there's been some times where I'm looking around and be like, damn, I don't know where I am. Yeah. This could be bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I I think, like, my wife and I have enough um, common sense to, to figure things out and at least have a plan and, like you said, right. prioritize things. Mm-hmm. Like, I... I know all that stuff. The only thing that sucked about that was like, fuck, we're going to be up here for like, like two days, maybe two more yeah. days. And that's what sucked. Mm-hmm. But we had food and we had water. Yeah. Um, and I was, I was worried about my dog's feet, you know, right. cause it was snowing. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll, do you want me to give you the, Oh yeah. The, yeah. The full gamut. So basically we went up to red mountain lakes, which is 17 miles North of Loman. Okay. So you take one of the fire access roads. Like once you, if you're going up to McCall, you take a ride on um, Banks Loman Road. Yep. And then once you get to Loman, you turn up one of the fire access roads and you drive off road for 17 miles. Nice. Get, get to the trailhead. And luckily there were some cars at the trailhead when we first started. And there were some people like, I think they were out training their horses. Mm-hmm. And so they were taking their horses up to the lakes and camping and stuff. And then they bring it back down. And I think they were... Like they had their little base at the trailhead. So that made me feel a little bit comfortable when we first got there. Right. But I thought this was going to be a backpack up, camp, backpack back down. Like sure. go fishing, drink some beer, make breakfast in the morning. So we fished and we drank beer yeah, <laughs> and had dinner. And then um, we, I kind of knew that it was snowing the whole night. Like I'd wake up and I'd kind of hear and I could kind of see it and stuff. And you'd hear the right. s- snow roll off the tent. And then uh, we woke up in the morning and there was like four inches of snow. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, all right, Deb, like we're not going to do coffee and breakfast. Let's just get up and, and roll. Let's yeah. get the hell out of here. Because it was going to be a three-hour hike back to the car. And we ended up, um, so there's, it's called Red Mountain Lakes because I think there's like 15 lakes up there. Mm-hmm. But there's like three main lakes. And so we got to the first lake, went up to the second lake, and then camped at the third lake. Okay. And so we knew like how to get down to the trailhead. And we hiked down to the second lake, then hiked down to the first lake. And we were walking around the edge of the first lake and we couldn't find the trail. Yeah. And so I was like, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, what do we do? And I, I don't know why we made this decision, but we just said, like, let's just follow the the stream down because we know the trail crosses the stream at some point. Right. And 
we bushwhacked for a while and like our feet got soaked. We didn't have waterproof shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, we did have cold gear stuff and we had our packs covered with like the waterproof rain fly things. Yeah. Um, and our dog was fine the whole time, but <laughs> we got like to this point where we were bushwhacking and we just like started looking around and it's snowing and there's just trees around us and it was like mm-hmm. everything looks exactly the same yeah and you can't see the fucking mountains in the distance you can't see the sky i didn't i couldn't see the sun right and that's when i was like i was like oh my god we're fucking lost like yeah and that like the little panic started to kick in and i yep. i almost like like i got kind of pissed off and i was like why right. the fuck are we doing this and i turned and i looked at debbie and debbie I mean, she was getting emotional. And so right. that's where I was like, oh, fuck, I got to nut up and yep. like not be the one that's pissed off because I got to mm-hmm. help get us through this. And uh, so eventually we followed the stream and I knew like my plan in my head and Debbie and I talked about this was as long as we're going downhill and we follow the stream, like eventually we'll get to the pay. You should be good, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that was like one of those basic things. I was like, yep. either we can camp up here and wait for someone to find us because my mom knew where we were and she wrote down where we were. Yeah. Or... We can just start hiking and it'll just take a while and it'll, it'll be shitty. Right. And we did know that the trail crossed over the stream a couple times. So we did, we found, we found a trail. And when we found the trail, we like broke down and we're like, oh my God, fuck yeah. Like, thank, thank God. Thank we're God. out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then we followed the trail uh, the wrong way for probably like three miles. And eventually it started like winding up and then mm-hmm. I, I like looked at the stream and the stream's going the wrong way and, I, and it starts snowing more and I'm like I don't think we're going the right way fuck yeah. <laughs> and so we turned around and then eventually like we crossed back over the stream and then this part of the hike it was probably like a mile but it was straight up hill mm-hmm. and like we both had our packs on like I don't know 30 to 50 pounds each and that's the point when Debbie was like if the, if this was like other people that we know that like don't exercise and stuff, yeah. they'd be fucked. Oh, Cause yeah. it was like hard for us to do it. Right. Um, but eventually that trail intersected with, I think it was like trail 146 or whatever, which was the trail we were looking for. And there's mm-hmm. like a small little, um, well, like, like forest service sign. Yeah. Like a yeah. little wooden sign. And, uh, and so we, we were like, Oh my God, thank God. And then walked back to the car and I looked at the data on my phone and it said we hiked 16 and a half Dang. miles <laughs> with our there backs on yeah. and the dog. I mean, it's like we, I was so worried about Skylar. And then at the end of the trail, she like, she was like chasing squirrels and stuff. It right. was like, okay, she was totally fine. Like we, it was more like mental mm-hmm. knowing that shit, we might have to camp up here. Yeah. And that's what fucked me fucked with me i think right. but once you make that decision we would have been fine because we had granola bars and mm-hmm. we had water and we had our water filtration system i had my gun we had oh, yeah uh flashlights and stuff like we we would have been okay it would just it would have been annoying just yeah it would have yeah. been annoying just waiting for someone right like i wouldn't want to do that yeah <laughs> and that's why that's where we like when we got to that point where it was either camp or go. It mm-hmm. was like, we just have to make a decision and roll with it and be yeah. cool with it. And right. as long as we're both cool with it, let's do it. Yeah. But I just didn't want to be like those fucking people that make the news. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> these two idiots were stuck up there for five yeah. days. 600 search and rescue volunteers were dispatched. <laughs> but that, that's the thing too, is that trail. I don't think it was trafficked that often. Um, because it's like 17 miles on a forest service road, like off yeah. the main highway. I mean, it's not one of the like popular 
hiking spots. But one of my buddies said he went up there and they hiked up and hiked back down, but mm-hmm. they didn't have snow. Right. And that's what kind of screwed us. That'll was, do it. Yeah. Because everything changes. Yeah. But yeah. that was my one panic mode experience. Yeah. And now we will never fucking go without a Garmin mm-hmm. or like a satellite phone. Um, yeah. I always, always mark, like when I get out of the vehicle, mark it as, as a waypoint in my GPS. Oh, Make yeah. sure you clear them because I've a couple of times like opened it up and it's like, oh, there's three car waypoints. Oh, no. I hope it's this one. Oh, my God. <laughs> but because uh, then it's like, okay, I've got a compass. And I know it's this heading for this distance. And even if I'm going up and down mountains, like I'm going in the right direction. Yeah. You know, when you, when you go out, cause I know you go hiking fairly often Yeah, and I know you hit all the peaks in Idaho and all that stuff. Um, do you, do you bushwhack? I mean, do you go off trails? If the trail isn't great, yeah. um, or if it does some crazy, you know, loop, yeah. um, I haven't done. I've done some trips where I'll just, you know, this peak looks cool. Let's walk to it. Yeah. Um, I actually like walking around in the woods better that way. Um, Because I feel like if I'm on a trail, especially if I have uh, any sort of weight on my back, just like head down, go. Yeah. You know, it's more of like a workout and you don't enjoy the woods as much. And that's what Debbie and I were saying is like when we're on the trail, we weren't paying as much attention to like our surrounding. Yeah. But then when we were off trail, we were paying so much more attention to the mm-hmm. surrounding. Yeah. Yeah. So one of my like favorite things to do when I was teaching, um, is the students would navigate. And as long as I wasn't, you know, thinking they were going to get us crazy lost cause you'd kind of back them up without telling them. Yeah. It's just, you know, hands in the pockets off to one side, like looking around. Yeah. Like, oh, here's a cool log in the woods. So that <laughs> tree is pretty neat. You know, looking for moose, he- uh, moose sheds and stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, most of like the the high peaks I've hit, the trail is pretty direct, and then the last little bit's kind of like, you know, if you read the guidebook, it's like get onto the ridge line and then walk uphill till you hit oh, the summit. Yeah. You know, that's how Mount Bora was. Yeah, De- Debbie and I were talking about that the other day. <coughs> I know you love hiking, mm-hmm. but I will never fucking do Mount Bora. Again. That's uh, that's kind of where I'm at. I've done it, uh, tried it three times, summited twice, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, unless someone wants to do like one of the like technical routes, like the one of the snow climb routes. Oh, okay. I'm, I don't have any reason to go on top of that mountain again. Yeah. Did you have a bad experience or have you walked, you've walked down it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Dude, my knees got destroyed. Oh yeah. And I it's fucking walk for like a day after. <laughs> so there's a couple of other 12ers that it's like, it's a nice hike. Yeah. Yeah. Then you get to the, like the steep stuff you scramble up, yeah. you summit and then it's like you scramble down and then you have a nice hike again. Right. Yeah. Actually last weekend, uh, me and my buddy did Mount Idaho. Okay. And it was kind of like that. Like you hike up this creek bed and then you hit the scree and you got to go up this scree nastiness. And, and is, it, is the scree like the shale that like kind of moves? Yeah. 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 Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. And then it's like you walk along this ridge that gets up kind of to the, the summit block and you scramble to the top. Yeah. And it was a great hike. Um, took a nap on top. Thought I was going to die for a while because... Uh, <laughs> I've been at sea level for the last six months. Oh my God. <laughs> and uh, got up to like 11 and a half. And it was like, I started getting really dizzy. Oh no. I don't want to turn around, but I don't want to. It was one of those spots where it's like, if you fall backwards, you're going to tumble. Oh my God. Yeah. Damn. But yeah, Bora's not like that. Like it's steep. There's some, there's some spots that are to me were fucking sketchy. Oh yeah. And there were some spots coming down where we went. It was, it's not like there's a direct trail, no. like you said, but there was some snowpack 
when we hiked up there mm-hmm. and this was last August, like there's yeah. still snow up there in August. And, uh, there were footprints through the snow and it looked very compacted. And so we like used that on the way down right. instead of like going where everyone else is going. Cause that looks safer. Yeah. But it's like, if I would have fallen on that snow, I would have slid down very far. Mm-hmm. And I like, how do you recover from that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, unless you have like an ice axe or crampons Yeah, and, or if you can like really punch into the snow. Yeah. Yeah. You're kind of screwed. Yeah. Um, I did it the first, the first time I tried it, I did it in, there's a, the first weekend in April? No, it was the last week of April. It was Dang. like April 30th. Is it cold? Is, oh, yeah. It yeah. Was way too early. Um, we turned back because it was way windy. Mm-hmm. So right when we hit like the, the chicken out ridge section, it's yeah. like 11 and a half thousand feet. Um, I was with a guy who's actually moved out here. He's one of my good climbing buddies, but he was from New Hampshire. And uh, he didn't have like full crampons. He just had uh, like the micro spikes. Okay. We both had ice axes. Um, both pretty experienced, but, uh, we kind of got over this little lip right when you start to scramble Yeah, and it's one of those spots where you can kind of look down and see like a 2000 foot drop dude. And the wind like came up and hit us and, uh, it was like, yep, I think we're done. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I would prefer a snow climb over the scree stuff. Oh yeah. Any day. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I had an experience on. It, I don't think we ever actually did chicken out Ridge. I think we went around it because it doesn't stick out mm-hmm. in my head. Um, yeah. I think like if you're going up, we kind of went around to the right of it and you can kind of yeah. like shimmy your way across. Mm-hmm. And that, that was one of those moments where I looked, I looked down and I was like, what the fuck yeah. are we doing up here? Like, yeah. this is not, I could be on the couch, like drinking right. beer right now. Like I, I don't know. It was I'm glad I did it, and it was a good mentally like challenging thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why the fucking heights like that don't bother my wife, but yeah. they that bothered me. And one of the things was like when I mean I don't know. There's kind of like a steep grade that you kind of have to lay against, yep. you know. And yep. so you find a good footing, and then you move your hand. And like my dad always likes to say three points of contact at yeah. all times. And uh, I remember I grabbed a rock, and it fucking moved, oh, yeah. and I was like. Oh my God, why? <laughs> yeah. So I've done, I, the first time I did Bora uh, successfully, I did that route. The yeah. second time we stayed high on the ridge. Was so it basically, easier? Uh, the rock is a lot nicer. Okay. Like there's no spots where it's going to fall away. Okay. But there's like a spot where you're on this like knife ridge and both sides are a nice, nasty drop. As long as you don't fall, you're going to be fine. See, I did not know what exposure meant. Mm-hmm. I like until I was like standing right there. Right. And I saw like you're standing on a little ridge and you look around and there's nothing like at eye level yeah. for fucking miles. Like that was a scary moment for me. I mean, it was just like a weird realization. It's like, oh, like I'm the highest point right like, here. Yep. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 It was so weird. Yeah. And uh, so I don't know how you are, but I'm fine going up things. Yes. It's when I turn around and come down, which can get you in trouble. Um, but it's like going down it every, like the second, third time I did bore this, the, so our second summit, I did it with, uh, Amy and the same buddy, Kevin. Yeah. Um, we all made it and, uh, we came down, we got kind of like, as you're coming down, it was to the right side. Yeah. There were some people down there and it kind of looked like a trail, which yeah. is always dangerous. Anything that looks like a trail, you should never walk on, <laughs> um, unless it's actually a trail. Yeah. Um, so we get kind of sucked down that way. Yeah. And as we're going down to this alleged trail, the rock was nasty and it was real steep. 
and the stuff that wasn't rock was like real slide away scree. Yeah, yeah. And it just kind of clicked in my head, and I was like, I don't want to do this. Yeah, yeah. Which you know, if you're going up things, is fine because you just turn around. But yeah. It's like my car is down there. Yeah, yeah, I gotta yeah. go to that. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I've had those where it's just like the butt pucker. And yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Well, I gotta, I gotta do this. I know I've told this story before on the podcast, but when I was on that section, like going to the side of Chicken Out Ridge, my so my wife and our good friend, like we did this hike on her birthday, and I think it was like last August twenty seventh or twenty third, yeah. whatever it was, and uh, I could hear them talking when they were waiting for me, and they were fucking talking about that stupid movie where the guy. Uh, where he climbs, uh, not Aaron Ralston, but the other climber. Uh, um, um, Alex Honnold. Alex Honnold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what's that fucking movie called? Uh, it's not Alone. It's... Oh, I can't remember what it's called. But she... Yeah, we'll drop it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. My, my wife's... Uh, well, our good friend. She goes, oh my God, have you seen that movie where he climbs without the ropes? And I was like, I like yelled at her. I was like, shut the fuck up. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to concentrate, concentrate right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I did not realize. I thought it was going to be like you said, like a, a tough hike all mm-hmm. the way up, you know, and just a long day. Like I yeah. was not mentally prepared for the scrambling. Yeah. And I think if I would have been, it would have been a little bit different, but it was still like maybe I would have worn different shoes and different mm-hmm. gloves, but yeah, it yeah. was like, I just felt mentally unprepared for it. I actually would just wore gloves for the first time last weekend when we did Mount Idaho for scrambling. Oh yeah. It's way nicer. Oh, who yeah. would have thought? <laughs> so you're not like yeah. slicing your hands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what other, how many, is there nine, 12, nine, 12 There's seven in the lost river range, which is the one Bora's in. Okay. Then Hinman's in the pioneers, which is just outside of like Haley, Stan, um, not Stanley, uh, Sun Valley area. Okay. And then there's Diamond, which is in the Lemmies, which is the next big ridge over from um, Lost River Range. Okay. Have you done them all? I've not. I've done four. Yeah. So I've done Bora, Idaho, Donaldson, and uh, Lost River Peak. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Which which was your favorite? Probably Lost River Peak. So do you ski? No. no. I mean, okay. I have. I mm-hmm. did when I was younger, but I don't now. So Lost River Peak has what they call the super gully on it. Okay. And uh, it's this big gully that goes up the, uh, what is it, the west face of the mountain. Okay. But it's got pretty good cover from the the south, so it stays full of snow until about mid-July. Whoa. So do people hike up there and ski down? Yeah. Whoa. No yeah. way. So Amy and I did it back in May. It was like early May last year, I think. Yeah. And it, yeah, it was full, so it was like crampons and ice axe going up. Uh, it was her first ever like snow climb, yeah. and uh, you know it can be kind of daunting because you look down and it's like slippery snow for two thousand feet, and yeah. I'm not stopping, yeah, and yeah. it cliffs out at the bottom, so I'm just going to tumble over the edge. But if you've got the tools, you just kind of like stick your points in and you stop. Yeah. So uh, she was a little sketched out from it, but yeah it's the gully goes pretty much all the way to the summit wow and then if you have skis you can ski down it and you guys brought your skis with you we actually didn't so um (laughs) which was good because there was a bunch of people who skied it Uh but just for some reason the day it didn't ever heat up so in mountaineering skiing you know it's if it's real cold it's gonna be icy yeah and then you have to do a lot of work to keep yourself from getting you know shooting downhill yeah yeah so if you wait for it to heat up get to that corn snow yeah you can do nice turns just kind of carve down the mountain and we were up there till about 2 p.m 
and it never warmed up. So these ski dudes started walking down. They oh. only skied maybe 2,000 feet of it, and we just sat down and just glissaded all oh, the way to the bottom. No So we way. beat all these dudes. It was great. What? Yeah. So did you have tools like to stop if you were going too fast or anything? Or? Yeah. So with your ice axe, you just kind of hold it. So spike like in the down of one hand and then uh-huh. you hold the shaft on the other. Okay. And so you can steer by digging one in or the other. What? Yeah. And then if you go too fast, you just stick the spike in and then roll yourself onto your ice tool. Okay. And then you just you stick your toes and your ice um, spikes in and you stop. Dude, that yeah. is crazy. Yeah. So, so how long fun. did it take to get down? Uh, so we had to walk the first probably five, 600 feet off the summit just because it was really steep. Um, so that took like probably an hour. <laughs> and then the section that took us three hours to get up, probably 30 minutes to get down. Whoa. That's great. so cool. It was so much fun. Damn. Yeah. And the sun came out. I had just bought my GoPro. Uh-huh. So I had it on my helmet filming the whole no way down. Way. It was great. Yeah. Cool. Do you post that footage anywhere? Uh, yeah, I think I posted it on my Instagram. Okay. Um, I mean, I took a whole bunch. I had it on uh, like one minute time lapse going up. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, that was mostly just like, here's my feet. Yeah, here's yeah, the yeah. sky. Here's my feet. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I'd like to, I don't know, I, I'd like to get a GoPro and document some of the cool things that Debbie and I have done. Yeah. But uh, I don't know why. We just haven't invested in a camera. Yeah, I mean... You know, phone cameras just as good for most things. I don't. It's like I think my camera's cool mm-hmm. and it works and stuff. And then like sometimes I'll take pictures with it and it just doesn't come out how I want it to come out. Yeah. I think GoPros do a pretty good job because they, they are do. a little fish-eyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because they want to get that like extra wide-angle shot. Yeah, um, and you can zoom. I think I have like the seven, and you can zoom in some. Okay, but I don't know. I've been like kicking out the idea of getting like a decent digital camera. Yeah. You know, with like a, what do they call it? The DSLR? Yeah. 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 The digital is it single lens reflex. Yes. Um, Costco always has great deals. I, I always, we always go in there and like, look at the cameras in there. Yeah. 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 My dad does a lot of like wildlife photography. Um, but like, if you just want to something a little better than a, than a phone, I'm sure Costco is going to have everything you need. I've seen them. They, they've had some GoPros on, on sale, but like, even just walking around some of the like villages we've gone to, yeah, like in Europe, like mm-hmm. I'd I'd love to see like a good footage of that, you know, yeah, or document it and like be able to show our family when we get back and stuff. Yeah, absolutely, because we have pictures, but I just don't think the pictures do it justice. It never will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I feel like there's we got some cool pictures from the top of Bora though. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can't not right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That was such a crazy experience. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even like, like I can't even imagine going and trying to summit fucking Everest or like K2 or one of those mountains. Yeah. It just, how long are you up there? Like a month? Uh, I think Everest's four days up. Yeah, because there's four base, there's four camps. Okay. So you base camp and then four nights. Um, I just think it's too commercialized. Yeah. Like, I've seen the footage of. Yeah. So you don't even take an ice axe. It's all just aiders. Like the mechanical rope ascenders, right? Okay. Because everything has fixed lines. Oh, so you're just wow. going to clip in and you're just going to aider your way up. Uh, and so long as, you know, you're somewhat competent as a mountaineer. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's everything's so guided. You probably don't even have to be. So long as you're not dumb enough to do something stupid or, uh, you know, get altitude sickness. Yeah. You should be fine. Well, don't you have to go up 
for some time before, like to get acclimated? Don't you have to spend a bunch of time like at the base camp? Yeah, I think you want to. Yeah. Um, I know the Nepalese government's been trying to crack down on uh, who can climb it. Yeah. Because, what was it, two years ago, there was like 18 people that died in a week. Whoa. Yeah. Because, I mean, people die all the time up there. Yeah. Which I think is, is kind of, you know, expected, right? Yeah. Well, they don't even like move the bodies because the yeah, bodies, can't. Yeah. yeah, it's like such an effort to get them down. Yeah. Yeah. But they've had, so they had that and then just the amount of garbage that is up there. Yeah. Like they've been, pay, I think they pay, they'll refund like half of your permit if you bring down, I think it was like 20 kilos of trash. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. But from what I've heard, everyone's so hypoxic and tired that like the thought of even an ounce more weight is just repulsive. Yeah. Yeah. Have you read about, um, is it Mallory was the guy that they don't know if he was the one that like first summited it? Uh, Edmund Hillary or Hillary, Hillary, not a whole lot. I mean, generally I know there's the quote from him where it's like, was it Tenzig Norgay, the, his Sherpa? He was like, yeah, Tenzig handed me or reached me his hand and pulled me onto the summit. And there (laughs) I stood the first man on top Everest. Oh my God. It's like, you sure your Sherpa wasn't the first guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's been up there before. Yeah. 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 Stuff like that interests me too because I think that was in like the 20s. Yeah, uh, the 50s. Oh, that was in the 50s? Yeah, it was that late. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. But I've watched, my, my parents are actually obsessed with Everest mm-hmm. and they've watched like all the documentaries and I've watched some of them with them. Yeah. But just their equipment just seemed like obviously not the greatest. Oh, yeah. You know, wool clothing. Yeah, uh, you know, wooden ice axes, um, you know, uh, naturally natural fiber rope, and they had like very small oxygen tanks too, right? Yeah. Or did they even have oxygen I, tanks back then? I think they did. Okay, uh, they should have. I mean, uh, like canned oxygen came pretty far after World War II with like the bombers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would imagine they did, and that was probably what put them over the top. So this quote, the because it's there, the tattoo. I got, oh yeah, that was from one of the early guys in the twenties. Or was it the twenties? I think it was more like the, it was more like the thirties. Cause yeah, someone asked a reporter asked him, he's like, well, why are you climbing the mountain or why are you trying to climb? He's like, cause it's there. Yeah. And then after Edmund Hillary did it, he did another attempt and someone asked him, he's like, well, it's been climbed already. Why are you trying to climb it? And he's like, well, it's still there. Yeah. That's so, awesome. Yeah. That's badass. Um, I was going to ask you about because of the seer stuff and the like amount of time that you spent in the wilderness. Yeah. Have you read a lot about Lewis and Clark? Or does that interest you at all? Yeah, I do like that early American history. Um, not so, yeah, I've, I've read about some of the early mountain men, um, like some of the first dudes to come out there. Because yeah. Lewis and Clark brought a lot of like rugged dudes who had already been part way out. Okay, and then they left a bunch of them. Like the dudes were just like, I want to stay here. And Don't want to go back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean those dudes were hard. Yeah, I I just I I would love to. I don't know if there's an actual book written or if you can read one of their journals or something, Mm -hmm. but I just have questions about like the day to day stuff. Yeah. Like their shoes. Like how do they make new shoes? And Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's a, there's an author called Alan Eckert. Okay. Um, and he writes mostly, what is it called? It's, I think it's like historical narratives. Okay. So it's all real information. It's all based on source material but he writes it like a novel. Oh, so it's like, you know, so-and-so said this and yada, yada. Right. He reads really well. He's a good writer and he also footnotes everything. Whoa. So like his book could be 500 pages, but the actual book's probably only be like three fifty. Yeah. Because the rest is just footnotes. 
So, you know, every chapter is like little uh, source material. Yep. And, and then you go to the back. So you got to read it with two bookmarks. So because some of it's like, you know, it'll mention a, like an Indian village and, you know, and number one, you go back there and it's like, this is this town. It's now whatever town here and yeah. like this river and yada, yada. Some of it's real short stuff. And then some of them are like five pages long. So he has he written a book about Lewis and Clark then? Or probably. Um, he's got his like Founding of America series, which starts with in like the seventeen thirties. Okay. And then goes to the War of eighteen twelve. Okay. Um I would imagine he has. I'd have to look. I've got a few of them. Uh he mostly focuses on like the northeast, like New York, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Kentucky area. Yeah. Um, he's got a really good book about a guy named Simon Kenton, who was like a he was like Daniel Boone but better. <laughs> um, but he just kind of shied away from the limelight. Yeah. Um, dude uh, thought he murdered a guy when he was fifteen. What? Uh, yeah. He beat some dude up who was um, like dating his girlfriend, the girl he had a crush on. Yeah. Thought he beat him to death. So he was like, "Oh shoot, I don't want to get hung." So just with the clothes on his back, he starts going west and he, uh, he runs into a cabin, kind of knocks on the door, starts talking to the folks and they're like, all right, you know, we'll put you up for the night. So he's sitting there and he's talking to him and he's trying to get a lay of the land and he's like, figures out who's about a day's travel west, like who lives there, gets the name, walks to their cabin. If it's like the Jones family, knocks on the door and he's like, Hey, I'm Simon Jones. And they're like, oh, you must be a long lost relative. Come no, on in. What? Yeah, and he does that all the way out to Ohio, which was, you know, primitive frontier. Or uh, no, Fort Pitt is where he got to. So Pittsburgh. From Boston. Uh, he was or, in like central Virginia near the coast. Oh, wow. So a couple okay. hundred miles, right? Okay. Um, so he's in Fort Pitt. So Pittsburgh gets a job at like a sawmill. Uh, he does the same thing, cons the owner, and then works for him for a few months. And then... Uh, like comes clean, buys a bunch of kit and just starts going down the Ohio. Cause there was all these tales of like this great hunting ground, like in Kentucky. Yeah. So he was looking for that. Um, at one point he's working with these two dudes. One of them was like an old guy who'd been scalped. So he had like this oh my bald God. spot in his head. No. Um, what's the book called? Uh, the frontiersman. Okay. By Alan Eckert. Okay. Yeah. So he's like 17 at this point, And, uh, it's him and two other dudes and he's like learned a lot of like bushcraft type skills and uh they're at this primitive camp trapping in like march in kentucky so it's all nasty rainy yeah they come back to camp they strip naked they're getting warm by the fire and uh uh, this like shawnee raiding party like jumps them kills the two no the one of the dudes and the other two guys run into the woods naked and it's like the two guys basically trying to survive for like a week until they find some other, you know, white people. What? Yeah. Um, Whoa. He's got, yeah, crazy life. He was working with the, um, so he was born in like the 1750s. I think it was like 1757. Um, so he was around during the revolution. Uh, so the, the book goes way into that. And uh, a lot of the how this guy writes, and I think it's, you know, accurate at the time, is like, there was a lot of atrocity by basically everybody. <laughs> uh-huh. Like he talks about, this dude named Jacob Greathouse who basically just like murdered Indians for fun. Jesus. Um, and some of like the really jacked up shit that he did. Yeah. Um, and then when the natives caught him, um, like them, their torture of and murder of him and his wife, uh, there's a really, really in-depth description of how the, the Shawnee would burn people at the stake. 
which is like it was like a day-long torture fest that the whole village was involved in oh my god yeah you kind of put the book down and you're like you know like we know there was a lot of like white (laughs) atrocity on the natives but it's like there was a lot of it back and forth. Well, what's what was interesting reading about Lewis and Clark. So when my wife and I were in South Dakota, mm-hmm. we drove through South Dakota and there's a Lewis and Clark trail there, which I had. It's just yeah. crazy scene because you can go to where they ended up. Mm-hmm. I don't know what fort it is in uh, in Washington. Or no, it's in Portland. Uh, I think it's Astoria, isn't it? It's it's somewhere near there on the coast. I think so because that's where the Columbia hits the Pacific. Okay. It, yeah. 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 Then it must be because um, there's whatever fort they stayed at there. You can visit, mm-hmm. and they obviously wanted to get to the Oregon territory to plant the flag and yep. tell the French like this is still our land. Right. Um, but I had no idea that they went through South Dakota, and that's mm-hmm. what sparked the interest. And so yeah. when we were driving, obviously, you know, there's a lot of straight roads that you have to drive on for hours at a time there. So Debbie got on Wikipedia and she was reading to me like all about the Lewis and Clark thing. And I think she read the whole Wikipedia article Yeah, and uh, the, how certain tribes treated white men. Mm -hmm. It was just interesting. I didn't know, like you read about native Americans and it's like, Oh, you kind of lump them all into one category. And it's like, there are hundreds and hundreds of tribes that do things differently. Mm -hmm. And they knew because they weren't the first people to go out there. They were like the French trappers and stuff. Yeah. And they had a book, like a journal from one guy that had already gone like all the way out there and come back. Mm-hmm. And he actually left one thing out of the journal, which was like kind of important. And it was the Rocky mountains. Like oh, they, right. didn't, they didn't know that they were going to hit mountains. Yeah. Um, but they knew because he took notes about certain tribes, which ones they should give gifts to. And then which ones they should just start w- shooting at. Well, not not necessarily shoot at, but give them like a peace offering and say like, because they didn't want to fight anyone. Yeah. And I don't think they ever did fight anyone. I think they got some horses stolen mm-hmm. or killed by like one of the tribes. Yeah. And then they almost had like a big battle with one of the tribes too, but eventually were like able to negotiate peace. Mm-hmm. But it's like you hear about Lewis and Clark and it's like, okay, that took three fucking years yeah like that's a long time like that turns into your life right. for those three years right it's not like they just oh it's like a two-week journey you yeah. know and the and the you know thomas jefferson when he commissioned him it was like see ya maybe yeah right? yeah yeah, yeah. Like, you're gonna go out there and i'm not gonna hear from you until if you get back yeah right and i didn't know jefferson so he commissioned lewis because i did they know each other from the army or something or I think that's what it was but he gave him like free access to this library. Uh, and I don't know, I must've been somewhere like on the Chesapeake Bay or s- somewhere out there in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, this library that had all of these books about the flora and fauna that he was going to encounter. And mm-hmm. so he studied for like a year before he even went. Yeah. Yeah. And then they got whatever it was, 42 volunteers or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Him and Clark. And then, I mean, I don't know when they met Sacagawea. She was... Wasn't she like Missouri area? She must have. Well, they. I think they started in St. Louis. That's right. Yeah. I don't know where they met her, but she was like pivotal to helping yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. And she had a kid. She was carrying her baby the whole time. But didn't, did her husband come with them or did her husband say like, like you go and like help I them? I think that's what it was. It, that's just crazy yeah. to me. That, that's, that kind of stuff is so interesting. And mm-hmm. I know that there's been 
shit like that that has happened in other countries and exploring yeah. the Amazon, exploring Africa and all those things. But I mean, because we live in Boise and they came through here. Right. That's fucking cool. To yeah. Me. It's really cool. Go yeah. Ahead. I think, uh, yeah, Alan Eckerd probably be a good spot to start okay. on those books. Um, yeah, he was writing back in like the seventies, I think. Okay. But reads really well. And then there's all that source material in them. So it's like, I can go look these people's, you know, letters or journals up as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's nuts that they've like analyzed those, those journals that people have taken. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. Another thing that interests me too that I haven't really taken a deep dive into, but it's like um, the English and the French and the Dutch when they were colonizing Africa mm-hmm. and like exploring the freaking Congo River. Right. That is mind blowing to me. That yeah. that I there's one guy and I know he is very, very looked down upon now, but he like massacred a shitload of people in mm-hmm. Africa. And I don't know if he was a French guy or a Dutch guy. Um, do you know who I'm talking about? I know the Belgians didn't do a lot of great stuff. Oh, maybe, down it, was there. The, maybe it was the Belgians. Yeah. Then. Yeah. 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 Was it King Leopold? Is that the dude you're talking about? I don't know. I'm not sure. Cause yeah, I mean, there was a lot of nasty. I mean, anytime you have those like colonizations, like of yeah. course there's going to be massacres. Yeah. 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 And I didn't realize, um, because of the the colonization of Africa, how many French soldiers were black during World War One? Mm-hmm. That was mind blowing yeah. to me too. Like making that connection. Um, but the thing that got me very interested in the Congo was um, Anthony Bourdain's show. Mm-hmm. The what is it? Um, I think it was Parts Unknown. Yeah, but he they like went out with some guides and they spent like two weeks on the Congo River. And they went and saw people that have like never seen white people before. Right. Like, I, but there's still uncontacted people, especially like not on an island. Yeah. 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 But it's like, it's like the British <clears throat> had set up schools and stuff to try to educate people and like get them to speak English and stuff. Yeah. And so there's all these like broken down Western like buildings and shit and infrastructure that I guess when the English didn't want to be there anymore. They just left. Right. And so now all these people are like living <laughs> kind of primitively, but with all these like buildings around them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's freaking yeah. weird to see. Yeah. The middle East is kind of like that. Like there's, you know, there's British cemeteries all over the place. Oh really? Yeah. Um, through Iraq. Who was telling me about it? I forget who it was, but, uh, like, you know, there's spots where the, uh, I guess it would have been the Turks during World War One, yeah. you know, and the British had these massive battles. Yeah, and it's like, you know, like a, like a Gettysburg is is still memorialized here, but it's like, oh yeah, that like landfill over there, like that's where the, all the British got buried, and it's a landfill now for Jesus. a reason. Yeah, and they didn't like transport them back home. Yeah, yeah. God, that's like when we were in Verdun, like seeing the amount of graves mm-hmm. was crazy to me. And you know what's really cool about there? Like a lot of Muslims fought in World War One in the yeah. Battle of Verdun. And so they have, I don't know what it's called. It's on a lot of the... The Crescent Moon? Yeah, the Crescent yeah. Moon. They have those on the gravestones. And they're like, mm-hmm. you know how, you know, you watch... Uh, oh gosh, what's it called? Um, Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. And at the beginning, like the military mm-hmm. cemeteries, like how they all have crosses. Yeah. It was like that at Verdun. But then there was a whole section that was the crescent moon right. gravestones. And I just thought it was cool. It was like, 
I don't know, you could kind of visualize who did what and like how many people passed mm-hmm. away. And um, yeah, if you're ever interested, I think you did go into that battlefield. Absolutely. It yeah. was weird seeing like the terrain was changed mm-hmm. permanently. Like, yeah. The, like overgrown moonscape that's there now. Oh my God. It's so bizarre. Like you feel like you're on a different planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, yeah, I've rad. never seen anything like that. Yeah. And there's warnings like don't go off the road because there's unexploded munitions. Everywhere. Right. <laughs> and same in Croatia mm-hmm. and Bosnia. Like you're not yeah. supposed to leave the highway because right. there's landmines still There's landmines everywhere. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, like, okay, so when, when COVID's over, what's, mm-hmm. your, what's your plan? Oh, man. Are you going to travel or? Yeah, I'd like to. Um, don't have any international, like, plans yet. Yeah. Like, I would like to go to Europe, um, like, Germany, Italy, like, Alps area. Yeah, yeah, would yeah. would be pretty rad. Oh, yeah. Uh, I would like to get to Croatia, talk to my sister tentatively about, like, oh, we should do a family trip over there. Yeah. Um, that would be pretty rad. Um. Do you want to go to Asia ever? Like, does that interest you? Eh, I'd like to, I don't know if I'd want to go to like the Himalaya region, Oh, especially yeah. not like right now. Yeah. Um, but just seeing some of like the big mountains would be pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of stuff I still want to do in the States, but, yeah. uh, um, doesn't Afghanistan have some awesome mountains? Oh, yeah. yeah. Afghanistan would be freaking amazing if yeah. it wasn't for the Taliban. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't know, like, I didn't, I actually didn't even know that you were there. Yeah, I was only at, uh, um, I was at one base. I went to the embassy. We just did, it was like two weeks. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was like right as it was getting cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the embassy compound's pretty awesome. It's in like in Kabul. Okay. Yeah. They've had, they had like a Afghani, like Girl Scout troop touring it. Oh, well, no we were this. We saw them. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've seen like, and then Iran, I know has some awesome mountains. Mm-hmm. And then obviously like Pakistan. Yeah. Too. Even, even like Northern Iraq, like the Erbil region. Okay. It's pretty cool. Um, I was hoping to get up there on this deployment, but uh, no, if I could swing it, I would definitely go to Afghanistan. Like yeah. the, the Wakan corridor, which is like the little like blip that sticks over into China. Okay. Yeah. That's all over like 10,000 feet. Oh, wow. Yeah. Dang. No, they could have some amazing skiing, some amazing big game hunting, mountaineering. Yeah. And that country would be, would be incredible. Yeah. I mean that like Afghanistan is such a weird country because there's so many different like tribal, um, tribal peoples. Yeah. Like, there's, there's a, I forget which tribe it is, but they're directly descended from Alexander the Great. Whoa. They're all redheaded with blue eyes. What? Yeah. But they're still Afghan, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. That. I always look at pictures. Oh my God. Like even what just happened in Beirut, uh-huh. like you look at those middle Eastern countries that are on the Mediterranean yeah. or like on the red sea. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Like there are, part, oh, yeah. there are parts of Somalia, like Northern Somalia and Somaliland yep. that I would like, I want to go there. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. looks so awesome. I uh, worked with a dude that he was at some hotel and he ran into these two girls who were Syrian and he started talking to him and they were like, yeah, you know, a couple times a year we'll go back to Syria. And he was like, this was like 2015. So yeah. like everything's going downhill. He's like, really? Even now he's like, yeah, they're like, yeah, the Western coast is awesome. It's yeah. like a quit, like would be five star resorts. And if they were in the U S yeah, like just on the, on the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. The other half of the country's, you know, blowing itself apart. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I've heard. Uh, so Erbil, like I know that yep. that 
is safer and very westernized and they kind of pride themselves and mm-hmm. like the Kurds pride themselves in like being their own people yep. and holding themselves to a higher standard. And same with uh northern part of Somalia. Mm-hmm. That's why those two regions interest me. Because yeah. it's like you just you think everywhere is like Mogadishu, Black Hawk down, but Somalia is a fucking ginormous country. It's like it was, it'd be from like Florida to like New York. Yeah. If you stretched it onto the US. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It's just interesting. Like you can make such generalizations about mm-hmm. especially Middle East and yeah. Africa because we're in America, you know. Right. I mean, you think Africa. Like when I think of Africa, it's like, oh, jungles and like safari and like. And maybe pyramids. Yeah, and yeah. like pyramids. And, but it's like, I don't know. There's so many different regions mm-hmm. and so many different yeah. diverse groups of people. I don't know. It's just, it's. It's crazy that it gets just lumped into one category because right. it's huge. That was one of the cool things about like working directly with Iraqis was, uh, you know, because we may think of them like pre, you know, 9-11. It was like, oh, they're Iraqis. But then we invade their country and find out that the Sunnis and the Shias don't really like each other. Yeah. You've got the Kurds. But even amongst those groups, you know, you've got like the Yazidis, you've got Babylonians, you've got, um, who's the, is it down south, like the, in Basra? which is right on the coast. Like that's another region. Um, and then the Egyptians are yeah. like, they may, they may be a Muslim people generally, but they're Egyptians first. Yeah. And you know, the Syrians have all these different groups and it's all within that one little region. Yeah. And just getting to experience like how different all those spots are is, is pretty rad. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I'd like to, uh, I mean, if I, if I were not married, I think I'd be mm-hmm. a little bit more adventurous and maybe, yeah go to some places that you know maybe seemed a little off the beaten track but i don't know that whole region is interesting to me like saudi arabia is a freaking huge ass country it's all dirt though like other than like riyadh mecca and medina like (laughs) that part of the i wouldn't i wouldn't go to the like arabian peninsula probably or like you wouldn't go i to mean uae, UAE dubai like that would be kind of cool i mean that's that's so westernized yeah at this point um i've heard yemen is actually pretty cool i mean not now <laughs> yeah 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 due to the, due to the cholera um <laughs> but uh i've heard i've heard oman and um qatar mm-hmm. like i've just read some blogs of people that are like kind of extreme travelers yeah and it, it does seem very westernized and they're very yeah. accommodating to english-speaking people and yeah the qataris especially because you know but like them and the saudis hate each other and oh, they're okay. both vying for u.s uh like backing gotcha right? gotcha like, I, and this will be another one of those allegedly like i heard this was a thing but I, I can't verify it um after we got a base in qatar the qatari emir so like their king yeah he put out a decree it's like if anyone harms an american like everyone in your bloodline is gonna die whoa yeah dang so it's very very safe for western folk see that's that's what I kind of think is cool. I, I mean, it, I think it's almost like a selfish thing. Yeah. But going to weird places and they're like, where are you from? And you say you're from America and they're like, why are you here? Yeah. Like, I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's cool because some of the places Debbie and I were, like we went to uh, Serbia. Yeah. And they they thought we were Australian. They're like, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, we get a lot of Australian visitors. And we're like, no, we're American. And they're like, we never get Americans. Like. I don't know. It's just, it's cool to see places that people don't normally see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the way you 
if I remember right, you tell us about like Croatia where you'd go to like a CrossFit gym and then ask the locals like where to go. Yeah. Like that's the way to do it. That's the cool thing about, I mean, CrossFit obviously, but yeah, yeah, you just go somewhere and you just start chatting with people right? and they give you recommendations. And we did a bunch of shit that like I would have never known about Mm -hmm. because it wasn't on TripAdvisor and you just meet locals and they tell you what to do Mm -hmm. if they speak English. (laughs) Right. (laughs) We did, we actually did a CrossFit class in Hungary uh, that was in Hungarian. Oh, really? Yeah. Which, like other places we've gone, they've teach them in English. Mm-hmm. Like in Luxembourg, they taught it in English. Yeah. And then I think in, I'm trying to think of where the other one was, Germany maybe, they taught it in English. But yeah, being in like a class, the first time I was in Hungary, the guy like, he didn't speak English at all. And he just looks at me, he goes, snatch. And I'm like, snatch. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's like yeah. how he communicated just like with right. CrossFit. Yeah. That's all you need, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. Um, but yeah, we're, the reason I asked you about Asia, we're, mm-hmm. we're planning on going soon. Yeah. yeah where are you going? Uh, we're going to go to Japan in okay. a- April. Nice. Yeah. Uh, like which the, part? Um, so we're going to fly into Tokyo Nice. and I think we're going to go to the two places that are on our list are Kyoto and Okinawa, okay. which are, I know that they're completely different, but yeah. I want to experience both of them. Mm-hmm. So right on. Yeah. I've yeah. watched some documentaries about Okinawa and it just seems cool. Cause it's like. It's like their version of Hawaii. Right. It's like so far removed from the other islands and mm-hmm. they're kind of their own thing. And yeah. I know that there's a base there too. There's a, yeah, like four Marine base. They, think, most of them do not like the U.S. military. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I've heard. Yeah. Grow your hair out and your beard before you go. <laughs> okay. So they know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just seemed like, you know, relaxed kind of island life. Mm-hmm. Dudes in uh, Hawaiian shirts. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would, now that I'm thinking about it, like, Vietnam, Thailand, Cambodia region, I think would be cool. Yeah, I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, and the, I'm kind of holding off on like looking into that's like civilian side because every once in a while they'll send a bunch of dudes to do like um, the POWMIA accounting agency does like searches for people like oh. remains. Oh, gotcha. So you can get on those trips. Okay. And uh, basically, you're you know out in like field jungle looking for remains of people that have never been accounted for. Is this like Americans that got lost or okay. Yeah. Like from Vietnam War. Oh wow. Still Mm -hmm. damn. Yep. Holy smokes. Yeah. And that's so like you'd ask me if I liked my job earlier. Yeah. Uh, One of the really cool things you see about it is like all the lengths that the U S government will go to get to get service members back. Oh cool. You know, like we're 50 years ago, we might've lost somebody, but we're still, you know, looking for them. Yeah. And then seeing what, if we know people are alive and where they're held, like, the crazy stuff we'll do yeah. get back is it's pretty rewarding. Yeah. God, that's nuts. Yeah. That's insane to think about. Oh man. I didn't know they did that still in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Do they do it like in Europe too? Yep. Wow. Yep. I think a lot more of those people have been recovered. Okay. Um, I think there's still some in like Pacific islands from like Island hopping. Yeah. Um, Korea, same thing. Uh, obviously North Korea is not really happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, at least not yet. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. We could go down a whole rabbit hole with that stuff. Oh yeah. Um, and I, I was meaning to ask you about like central, uh, central Asia too, like mm-hmm. Kazakhstan and, um, Tajikistan and those types of places. But, um, I, I really have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> All, right, All right. So, so we're coming up on an hour and a half. Um, and I, I've been giving people a chance to get the last word. So, um, we're going to end the podcast, but I'm going to give you the last word. 
All right. Uh, last word. Uh, let's go with, uh, so in our, our lessons, we're supposed to do what we call a remotivation. So the, you tie the lesson up, right? Okay. You got to tell a story. Usually it should be a story if you're a good instructor and obviously I'm a good instructor. So, <laughs> um, we'll just go with, uh, so without telling a full story, let's just say one of the, one of the other cool things I like about my job is, uh, you get to see, uh, whether through like research or like visual of your students, right? You get to see the, uh, the cool stuff, the human body and mind are capable of, um, you know, whether that's like this dude lay in a bush for 20 days evading the enemy or, you know, this guy was held in for seven years in uh, solitary confinement, right? Like the human mind, human body is capable of a whole lot of stuff. Um, so what I would uh, encourage the, the greater Spencer talks about stuff audience to do is, is uh, push yourself, see what, uh, see how far you're capable would be awful thing to waste your life without knowing, you know, how capable you are. So without going too grand, there's uh there's my last word. That's awesome. I love it. Right that was on. really, really cool. Well, thanks for being yeah. on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's been great. Yeah.